Well, folks, if you want a long pod, you got one here. This is nothing short yeah, of a long pod. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, the old cliche, just like time flies when you're having fun. It was it was a fun podcast with a lot of lot of action, um, a lot of numbies, a lot of a lot of good stuff, man. You can't beat some good in depth numbies, especially when I didn't do any research for it. No, just give it no, to if they're free numbies, free numbies, awesome. Yeah, it was it was excellent. Amongst uh, some other very great thoughtful questions from another mm-hmm. uh, pipe it up fan that we had we got the commission tonight what's up what's up um giving us his thoughts breaking down 2024 season um it was one for the one for the ages folks so one for the ages this was a pod for the ages for <laughs> this sure. was a pod for the ages good pod uh like jack said two fans on commission on and we talked about uh just the season as a whole with kyle and the fans, like I said, the first fan, Sean, was a numbies discussion. Mm-hmm. Second fan, Katie, was more of a little interview amongst us three and her picking our brains a little bit. So, yeah. A1 content. And this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pipe It Up podcast, the official podcast of MLW Wiffle Ball. And tonight in the studio, I am joined by my co-host, Jack Agner, as well as MLW Commissioner, Western Wildcat, 14-year veteran, Kyle Schultz. Welcome Happy to back. be here, Tom. Happy to be here. Welcome back. Last time we had Kyle on the pod, I think was our, f- like, early in the season. I think he yeah, was recapping when we went to the Rangers game and we saw Josh Young. Really? So that might have been June. I thought it was even later than that, but I'm, I'm with it. I think that was the last one. But then before that was obviously the Sparky interview. I yeah. trust I trust his memory. I trust the memory as well. <laughs> but it's been a long season. Uh, we are officially in the off season now for the first time in whoever knows how many episodes it was. But no new MLW video to talk about today. No. So, no. But Kyle wanted to come on, give his thoughts on the season. We have some fans joining us a little bit later as promised. So uh, I guess we're going to just interview Kyle now, Jack. Let's roll. It, we got to give the commish his his time, his <laughs> his moment to reflect on the give, season because we've been doing it, we've been doing it all season. We do long, have a lot of time so. to talk. I'm yeah. sick of hearing myself talk. Same, same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get you want to just have the floor first. Uh, sure, I guess. I guess I'll just start it off by saying another good year for the podcast for you, Tom and Jack. Uh, I've been tuning in every week. Every time you guys release the episodes, I'm the first listener every single time. Usually, when I was <laughs> editing, that would get me through like the part of netting where I don't need to be like super audio centric. So I would put that on um, and do my graphics or whatever. Listening to you guys as the first viewer before everything would go out, but you guys are killing it. Um, there's been so many facets of MLW that I think we're just killing it this year. Um, it was a huge year. Um, some stats for you guys. So our views this year were like just under 20 million, which is the most viewed MLW season of all time. We sold over a thousand tickets to our special series um, events, which is huge for us. Big milestone. Um, and we gained about a hundred thousand, hundred thousand subscribers in, um, from 2022. So, uh, once again, at the top of that list, um, and, and just a huge year. I mean, the collab with Mark Rober was huge for engagement, um, bringing in a lot of new fans and Drake followed us on Instagram. So <laughs> a lot of, that's a notable, <laughs> a lot of cool things happened. I would say 2023 overall, though, is just one of the best of all time for MLW. I can't imagine being that famous to where someone's like knocking off their accolades from the year. And it's like, yeah, Drake followed me. <laughs> 100,000 subs, Drake. <laughs> One person. Uh, that's funny. R- real quick before we get into some of the more details, like you, you named some of those statistics and figures of what we were able to accomplish this year. Was that uh, what you expected this year? Because I'm sure you had some some of those numbers in your head in terms of like what you thought we could achieve or you wanted to achieve. 
how did it kind of compare to what actually played out? Yeah, I mean, with the trajectory that we were on from just year to year, I always expect us to blow our records out the water with views and subscriber counts and just the, the grand scale of our events and that kind of thing. So I'm not surprised by it. I'm very happy to see it, but I'm hoping 2024 obviously beats this. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but I'm just glad to see it. Glad, glad to see it kind of match my expectations for it. I wanted to ask you first, because it's fresh on everyone's minds, uh, what do you think of just the World Series as a whole, uh, maybe comparing it to last year, just as a standalone event? Yep, very different than the 2022 World Series, um, and we talked about it in the video, but there's just a lot of things that we wanted to improve upon, mainly um, getting fans in the building, allowing them to see the World Series, the biggest you know MLW series of the entire year. Up until this point, no fans ever allowed, so it was really cool seeing them um, celebrate when the final out was made or on AJ's walk-off home run and having, having a real crowd there to celebrate that was truly special. So, um, that, that in its own was super special, but having the video board on huge improvement from SoFi when, you know, it was really just a private shoot where we weren't too involved with the staff there, but the Falcons were awesome. Mercedes-Benz stadium, um, staffers were awesome with us. Um, and just selling merchandise, having concessions open, being a true event that as opposed to a private shoot, I think it was awesome. I think we really capitalized on it. What do you think uh, more so just about the outcome of the season for your team, you know, for the Wildcats as a manager? Um, yeah. Just your, your take on the year. Yeah, I mean, obviously not a great year for us. I think we finished 8-10, and 10, uh, 7 and 8 in the regular season. I didn't have the best year on the mound as I would have liked to. I think I hit pretty well, just not as much in the regular season. I turned it up for that uh, postseason series <laughs> against Crash. I got seven hits off him I'm proud of. But, um, you know, we're definitely not satisfied with it. I think Sailor definitely had a, a down year. He'll say that himself. Pearson had uh, some ups and downs, but he made some strides, especially on the mound. So happy about that moving into 2024. And uh, I'm shout out to Liam Jackson. He had a kind of a slow start, was busy with some other LJ. stuff LJ. Uh, with work and whatnot. But he had that walk-off home run in the playoffs, which I was super happy with him. Um, but we have two draft picks right now, so I'm very excited heading into the offseason and how, uh, how that could uh, push us over to the edge and getting back to the World Series and eventually winning it. Were you surprised to see how everything played out in terms of the Eagles making a run and knocking off the D-backs, knocking off the Mallards, and then the, the new school Magic Squad taking them down in five? What you, would you think of that as a whole? Just being so, You watched everything so yeah. closely. Uh, were you surprised by everything that happened in the playoffs? Honestly, not surprised. I think Dallas is in a, a very select group of aces that can just carry a team. I would say Dallas, Jimmy, RJ, and Cratch are those four guys right now in my mind that could just, it really doesn't matter who you, what your offense looks like. Those guys can go out there and pitch every inning and you have a shot. So Dallas and the Eagles making that run didn't surprise me. The Magic, after getting that bye and just having to beat the Preds in a couple games, I don't know if I made a prediction on the show or anything like that, but I thought the Preds were just so hot and I thought they were going to cruise by you guys. Mm -hmm. um, so I was shocked by that, um, you know, especially when it's, you get into the mix, Grant into the mix, RJ doing his job, and then Bonham throwing a perfect game. Like, it was a true team win, um, and I really did not see that coming. So I think that was actually the shock of the postseason was just how, not even that you beat them, but you swept a, a super hot Preds team. I thought that was super impressive. Um, and in the World Series, I thought it was going to, I thought it was pretty much a coin flip. I, I honestly thought the Eagles would win. I didn't make that prediction, but I think just with the depth they had, um, and the ability to knock off a back-to-back -back champ and then the Mallards, who everybody thought was going to be in the World Series, was just going to feed in the, feed into their momentum and play into their favor. But super happy for you guys. Obviously, you talked about this in the post-game interviews. Um, guys like yourself that have, that have been around for a long time, and then you mix in Grant Miller, RJ Walgate, AJ Ackerman, like all these new guys making a difference in the World Series. It was just so cool to see. Um, and individual performances, I've, I, I don't think you could be more shocked than the AJs.
being the World yeah. Series MVP. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, who could have who saw that one coming? It's just crazy. Just just uh, his personality, too, and how he just goes out there, performs, and then just wins a World Series MVP. It's just it's just cool to see. I, I think that um, I'm obviously a little bit biased, but I, th- I feel like we have one person like that, one or two people like that every year in yeah. our league where they just either come out of nowhere, maybe early on, or late in the year that just you you never expect it. You know, you know all the 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 staple names, right? The knowns, like the Cratch, the Schultzes, like the Coglins. We 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 know these <laughs> the people, Agners. right? Not the Agners. <laughs> um, but just I feel like there's always one or two guys that, you know, just come out of nowhere and and shock the world. And it was it was cool to see you yeah. do that. I made this comparison. A lot of the Michigan fans out there will kind of get this, but the twenty thirteen national championship in basketball Spike Albrecht, he was like not known by anybody, came out and scored 17 points in the first half. This little dude, mm-hmm. um, it, he just made a bunch of threes and got some layups and he had 17. Um, and everybody thought he was going to be like the greatest and most memorable guy. And that's kind of like Landon, your guy just this year. Mm-hmm. But then in the second half in the in the Michigan-Louisville game, Luke Hancock came out of nowhere and had like 17 or something in the second half himself. And that was kind of like AJ. It was like a tale yeah. of two halves, but two of the most unsuspecting guys that weren't even starters in um, the college basketball game, but also uh, the, the four hitters, I guess, or a guy that didn't even start in Ackerman in, uh, in the MLW World Series. So it's a very kind of true comparison there. It was. It was that yeah. was interesting. Landon will be forgotten about because AJ, you know, his team won and everything, but Landon was the, the games one and two MVP. For sure. And I mean, your comment about the series being a coin flip, um, I obviously had confidence in my team going into the series, but just being transparent, I mean, I felt like it really was a coin flip. Like, I did feel like it was going to go five games, regardless of who won. And um, the 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 fact that it was the, you know, the unknown player, AJ, and then the four-spot hitter, Landon, who were the ones that were, like, carrying both yeah. of their respective teams, just, I think that just adds to the, the, the point of how deep both of our teams were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those guys were ultimately the differences in the series. So so many facets come into play. I mean, if you don't hit that three-run home run, home run in game three, then Landon, your guys, is the World Series MVP, and we're sitting here talking about how the Eagles swept you guys. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy to, to, to think about how many, uh, how many ways the series could have gone just by the swing of one bat. Absolutely. Bang-rang. Bang-rang. <laughs> Set the team <laughs> off. Um, okay, switching gears from the World Series now, next thing I wanted to ask you was what the biggest challenge probably was for you in 2023. I think we traveled more than we ever have. Just before this year, we did, we've done the tournaments and we've done a couple out-of-state series, but we did a lot this year from, I guess, before the season even started when we had a shoot with Mark Rober and then it transitioned into us doing the Summer of Stadiums Tour and coordinating coordinating three to four series at once. We're talking about Detroit, Philly, St. Louis, and then eventually Atlanta. And every single one of those had its own feel and different logistics to work through. So that was definitely very difficult. And we even had a scenario where, you know, the Tigers had to cancel on us for whatever reason. Um, and we had to do our best to make the best of it. And we, we did that with, you know, Wayne State. And they were great with us. But working with Detroit Pal, Philadelphia Phillies, um, the Grizzlies, Gateway Grizzlies, and then eventually the Falcons, they were all great to work with. But there's just so many logistics. You've talked about this on the the recap pod of the the World Series. But managing people, managing resources, what kind of merch we want to bring there, um, flights, hotel, rental cars, like everything. Um, on top of editing and on top of fulfilling merchandise and on top of running tournaments, it's a lot. So I think uh, I think we we do this every year, but we maximize how much we can do. I guess as a a, a partnership kind of uh, company. 
but uh i think we it also it's very rewarding when we eventually put it out and um the videos go up and people enjoy it so it's definitely motivating for for years to come and uh heading into the off season but at the same time like i'm not gonna lie it was, it was definitely tough at times yeah i think we we added some new listeners we just got our spotify wrap so i think we We've probably mm-hmm. asked this question before on in previous years when interviewing you at the end of the season. But for our new listeners, um, what does, you know, aside from those things that you just mentioned, like mm-hmm. what does the typical week look like for you when we're in like, we're, we're, when in we're the in the heat, days? Yeah, the, the heat of the summer. In the okay. belly of the beast. Yeah, in the so, belly of the beast. Yeah, for sure. So I'll give you typical um, like MLW series highlights, kind of like an agenda I go through or checkpoints. So Sunday night, I usually like to have all the all the footage imported from all four or five camera angles, and I like to be very organized and sorted out. Maybe start the project of whatever I'm doing. So like, um, just a regular regular highlight video, right? Um, so that's main cam, alt cam, two or three GoPros, and then maybe some iPhone footage. And then if a photographer's there, I like to have his whole entire folder up from that day, so I can kind of envision what I what what the video is going to be like before I even start the project. Then it gets into the intro, and then game one. It's usually like one game per day, mm-hmm. but before the games even start, like I know how the games go, obviously from filming them. So say somebody comes out and hits like a leadoff home run, the the music is going to reflect that. So so a lot, a lot of the early steps are me going to my music database and picking out music that's going to reflect the mood of the series or the individual games. Um, and then after that, I kind of edit to my music. So when Monday comes along, I... The, the intros are pretty standardized. Um, the way we open it up and the graphics that play in the first 30 seconds, yep. that's all pretty standard. I can get through that within a couple hours. But then after that, it's a lot of um, just feeling the music out and matching the just the, the, the vibe to it and syncing up whatever, whatever angle matches the play the best. That takes a lot of time. But my checkpoints are Monday night. I usually like to for sure have the intro done and half of game one. Uh, Tuesday, I make sure game one is done and game two has some damage on it. And then Wednesday, game two needs to be done and game three needs to be started. And Thursday, game three needs to be done. And then all the graphics and overlays need to be done uh, by the end of the evening. Right. Because because by, by the time Thursday evening comes, that render and the upload takes a really long time to the point where it, it stems over. Tommy knows this too, just from having his bedroom next to mine. Like my upload, will t- a lot of the times be like Friday morning, like between the hours of 7 and 10 a.m., and then after that, then it's a lot of Instagram posts and promotion, like the predictions and the polls on YouTube community page and that kind of thing. And then the three posts at 4 p.m. So it's really all the way from Sunday night to Friday at 4 p.m. Am I doing stuff? When do you typically, you know, during like the actual hours of the day, when when do you yeah. feel like you <laughs> oh do, do your work the best? Uh, definitely later, like the late night hours. Um, I think there's just less distractions, uh, whether it's people's dogs not barking outside or planes flying overhead or the TV being on or people knocking on the door or drives car, uh, cars driving around. I just like it to be completely silent when I'm editing. It let, allows me to get deeper into the videos and maybe see things I would not if I was doing it during the day and just trying to get through it and go through the motions. So I love when it's as quiet as possible and uh, I can really focus in on the videos and make it as best as they possibly can be. Dude, when I edit these pods late at night, I'm like this. I'm in my chair. I'm just like... <laughs> Like it's yeah. it's a miracle that these videos don't these podcast uploads don't have any like mistakes in them. These last couple I've had one shot at, and it's like two fifteen in the morning. And I'm just like, is it? I don't even know what's happening. Sometimes it's so funny, but yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the late night grind. But for the pod, I have no choice. No choice. Yeah, no shout choice. out to Diet Coke. Man, that's <laughs> what gets me through the nights. DC, no free ads. Not a caffeine guy. No no free ads. Well, 
You can sponsor us if you I'll, want. I'll give them a shout out. My na- our neighbor next door works for uh, Celsius. Okay. I wouldn't really recommend that to anybody. Yeah. Honestly, because it it gets you wired, man. But I'm gonna be honest. Um, if you guys noticed a different performance from me on the last podcast, I did. I I was feeling clear. I what I had a Celsius on the way here. Made it wake you up. And I, I was <laughs> feeling pretty awake. clear. So you guys, let me know if you thought I was performing. Well, the problem I have with the Jack is so yeah, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be another late night. So I'll crack one at like maybe nine, ten p.m. for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I sort of hit a rhythm, and then I'm cruising along, and it's one a.m. I'm still going strong, but then I'll get into bed. I'm like, well, now I can't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just wide awake. Yep. And I got to be up at six o'clock to make sure the video finished and everything. So it's two, Monday nights are never a good night of rest for me. There's always, but, we, we made this joke when you guys uh, moved into this, this new rental place, but mm-hmm. it, MLW is a 24 seven operation. There's always someone <laughs> Somebody's on, be on the watch. Someone's always awake uh, from zero to 2,400 hour. There, there's everyone. Someone's awake at all Someone, times. Someone's awake. Someone's yeah. usually awake. Kyle, you always typically, um, you know, always improving, continuous improvement, but you you like to add at least one or two things that are kind of staples in each video um, from year to year, right? So what was one thing that you kind of improved upon in your videos or added in, in 2023? And then, yeah. you know, maybe what's one thing you want to improve on in 2024? For sure. So I think in the intro, we did a lot of typography or motion graphics per se, so it's a lot of, um, say, when somebody hits a home run, uh, a nice graphic will come up with their name and maybe a picture of them. And it kind of AJ. S- smoothly mm-hmm. transitions into the, the replay of the home run. So that was one, one that I think was really cool. But um, I think I, what, what I want to continue to do, it, it obviously requires more time, but in really big game scenarios, I, I love like what we did in game five this year where I made a hype video pretty much yeah. um, in that, that first 30 seconds where I narrated it. Um, there was highlights, past highlights, um, s- some throwback clips. I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, and it's very reminiscent of what you'll see in uh, MLB Game 7. They'll have like somebody, some big celebrity narrate a really cool um, collage or um, hi- hype video trailer kind of thing before a big series. And obviously, I'd love to do that more, but um, I-, I like what I did there in Game 5. Um, game 1 also had a kind of like a narration and like a-, a more epic kind of feel to a grand opening to the World Series. So... Little things like that, um, but when it comes to the, the the series, I think we've in the past few years crafted out a really good formula with just mm-hmm. um, the amount of cameras we have and the GoPro on the strike zone. That's something I want to continue to do, and um, I, I think we have a good formula. But that's not to say I'm going to keep brainstorming to what I want to do next to keep improving it. Yeah, always, always brainstorming. Um, what was your favorite? We we obviously went on a lot of different trips this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite one? I don't want to pick a favorite, but I will say you have one to, gun to your head. Okay. <laughs> I, I will say one that I didn't, maybe not, maybe didn't have the highest expectations for that blew it out. The water was St. Louis just having, um, like an independent league frontier league, like uh, team host our series. Like that name isn't going to sell the series. So it was super rewarding for us just being at this park to sell 560 tickets or whatever. I was like, wow, we, it really didn't matter where we played the series. Like our fans are so cool that they traveled out there and watched us and they made it the most attended MLW series ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the meet and greet that we had and the fact that people stayed after like a rain delay all day long to watch game three at night. That was awesome. That was really cool. Um, you know, Philly was cool, but they capped it at 200 tickets. Um, but that was just another really cool event and playing in a big league ballpark was something we never done before. Um, Detroit, we, we got to incorporate the community aspect into it, which I love. And I want to continue doing in 2024. And we actually, we actually already are, uh, making some steps to make that happen. But 
I think I, what I love is that every single one of them had its own taste. Right. Um, even the mini MLB series going back there and playing against my brother, Daniel, and having the classic Wildcats and Eagles play against each other was super cool. It sucked there just with, with, with again, more rain, but we battled <laughs> through it, and I'm very proud about us doing that. And uh, it made for some good theater with the, the amount of lightning that was happening in that video. It was just very cinematic. So very cinematic. I won't pick one specific one, but I will say each of them had its own different feel and own great moments. I like Philly. Love that. Honestly, the, <laughs> you know, I'm biased and I, the World Series was awesome. It's such a great experience. It all culminated to the World Series. It all I mean, culminated to the World Series. But I do agree with you. There was just something so awesome about that St. Louis series and how we were able to, you know, just pack that place out, honestly. Yeah. And and that that crazy storm that came through and we still had all those people that waited around for us to watch the game. Um, that, that was just a really special time. That was also kind of the, that was the first out of state series that I was able to be a part of. So for me, especially that, that one meant a lot. That was a really fun trip. I'd say gameplay wise. Yeah. St. Louis and uh, Atlanta were sick and like the environment with the fans and everything. But I, talk about trips. I liked the Philly trip because it was a road trip and I didn't have to drive, which was nice. Fair. Okay. <laughs> fair. Chilling, yeah. Yeah. And on the backseat. Can I name one thing about the St. Louis series that I really loved that I want to incorporate moving forward? I love how the crowd was right up against us. I yeah. love that um, you could hear him better. You could see him better. Um, Atlanta was awesome, but they were a little further away. And mm-hmm. just being that it's like a 80,000 capacity stadium, like in proportions, it looked like there was less crowd than the, what was actually there. Unless you went up really close with the cameras, which we did a lot. And I tried to do so yeah. um, in, in all five of those videos. But St. Louis was super cool in that it was just... It looked like it was built for our type of crowd. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, it wasn't... When I say we packed it out, I don't mean we actually filled every seat in the yeah. stadium. But for the the spot that we sectioned off, we filled up a really good chunk of it. And to your point, it almost felt like they were on top of us because of how close they were. Whereas like when we yeah. played in Atlanta, I mean, they were you know several yards up up in the air and then also away from where the actual fence was so it, it was a it was a little bit different feel and i know you guys talked about this on the st louis podcast but what was crazy is like wasn't that like a 95 or 97 degree day like we couldn't even see them all because like 100, of, them 100 were, of the fans yeah. were in the concourse being exactly. shaded like could exactly. you imagine it was if it was so like hot 10 degrees cooler everybody yeah. would have been out there it would have been even more flooded so um i really like that model of just facing a backstop and having an entire crowd of a pro baseball stadium watching us Agreed. What uh? What do you think your favorite like overall video was to create, or favorite like moment in a video that you uh, put your own spin on? Hmm. I have a favorite. I want to say after this. I part. actually, I do really like the Philly series video. Oh really? Yeah. I think my soundtrack and that was really good, and I think the intermission segments were really fun. Um, because we did we filmed with a mascot, which we had previously never done before, really. Um, but just the fact that. You you had a you had a grand slam over the scoreboard I think it was and like I think the the music reflected how fun it was um, and our guy our videographer Peter mm-hmm. he killed it so like there were so many awesome elements that came together in that video that I really loved um, the home run derby is all, all always a, a devastating edit to do there's so much stuff to do but I think that one came out great um, I like St Louis and. Um, I think the entire postseason. It was a really good postseason, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do it justice with the editing. But I think I think it played well. I think those views. I think those videos get a lot of views over time. All of the CSs and DSs. Yeah, I like the ALCS or sorry ALDS. Yeah, Preds Cats. Yeah, that was electric. Yeah, yeah. 
we we had a series of three or four videos where it's like this series it, it's better than the last yeah. like third one in a row like how's how do they keep doing it this is rigged but i'm like yes this is what we want like for scripted. it to be that good like that's awesome to hear it it's really good. was very entertaining and competitive all throughout so mm-hmm. from an entertainment standpoint it was it was all we could have asked for what video did you like um or videos you know uh, Try just I'm I'm gonna be biased. I, I am biased. I've mentioned it a few times, but the the St. Louis series was like because it was my first one, you know, being a special series, uh trip that I got to go out of state and play. It also happened to be one where we waited a lot longer for the video to come yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um we, we typically wait, you know, it may be two or three weeks. I remember waiting at least a month for this one to come out. And, you know, Having it be such a uh, just a cool environment that we played in, I also you know candidly had not been playing very good up until that point, and I <laughs> managed to hit a couple home runs in that series. So like I was excited to you know good. see those home runs, see see the ball leave the yard. Um, so that that was my my favorite video for sure. What do you like better, hitting the home runs or watching them back? <laughs> Uh, hitting them. You like hitting them better? Hitting them. Because then I see my swing again, and then I'm like, oh, guys, this is not. <laughs> not <laughs> That's actually good. a good point. You think you picture something in your head as like I hit looking, it, and I'm like, oh, it I looks smoked so, it. It looks so cool. Yeah. And then you watch it, like, oh, not yeah, as cool as yeah, I thought exactly. it was. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is funny how you remember. You you picture things as looking different than they actually totally, do. Which totally. Which is funny. But the, the camera doesn't lie. That's what was cool in uh, Philly, because, yeah, that first one when I hit over the scoreboard, I was obviously excited to see. But it just happened, so happened that my mom was filming up there. Right. So I could see that one, like, a couple hours later. I was like, oh, that was actually sick. That was good. That shot was so good, by the way. We're so lucky she had that. Yeah, that was awesome. Only pitch she filmed the entire day. That was awesome. I'm not joking. (laughs) That was the only pitch she filmed. She's having a press record before that one. That's crazy. It's incredible. So funny. Um, Now that we're in the the off-season... Kyle, what's, uh, you know, you get a little bit of time, at least, to Mm -hmm. step back from MLW. What's one thing you want to do? What's one fun thing you want to do this off season that's not MLW related? Uh, you can't use MLW. Yeah, yeah can't, no, I can't I wanna, use MLW. Well, first of all, I'm gonna travel to see my buddy in Omaha, Nebraska, because he's a basketball coach for Creighton. Ooh. So I'm gonna see a Creighton basketball game at their home uh, arena in Omaha, Nebraska. Nice. Um, so that'd be fun. But I want to travel alone somewhere. So mm. I'm taking recommendations. Doesn't need to be someplace warm, but I like uh, I like the idea of just going someplace to take it in and maybe ponder. Uh, MLW things for the future. MLW related doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. Doesn't but, count. But uh, just get my not clear my mind, but I think uh, help me kind of reset. Mm-hmm. So a reset spot doesn't need to necessarily be a big city or some place very scenic. I'm open to all ideas right now, but I think that's something for January or February. There I have go. some ideas, but uh, I'll take in any uh, requests if people have solo traveled before in the U.S. You got any ideas? No, I the the Schultzes are just very uh, independent. Dan individualistic. Yeah, yeah, this this this. Yeah, yeah didn't I, go we were trying UP? to get him on the podcast. Yeah. And I think Mark was like, "Oh, he's camping by himself." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, okay." I mean, that I mean, it's awesome. I uh, I think it's very cool. I'll I'll give it some thought, Kyle. Okay, you know, maybe some some yeah, places really that would be worthwhile going. I don't really have anything. I have some Although, ideas in mind. But. I've been saying I want to go to a beach because I haven't done a beach vacation in like since senior spring break. Of Hot take, I mean, what do you what do you like to do Hot when take, you're? I hate the beach. So, okay. So if if your well, city shocker. If, shocker. if your city is beach centric, it's out because I get burned. Yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not one for beaches. That's just not my vibe. I'm fully a Midwestern dude. <laughs> like grew up in here in Michigan, and um, I I feel like either uh, 
sort of like a mountain route or yeah, like a, I was thinking, or like maybe like a New York just for a weekend kind of route this time of the year. Well, I was thinking maybe go yeah, I don't know maybe go down like south a little bit to to the Smokies, Smokies you know, Tennessee? Maybe, maybe Tennessee. Okay, listen to some country music maybe or something. You know, maybe you could stop by Nashville if you wanted to get some some taste of the city. I'm out on Nashville. No, nah, he's out like, on Nashville. I don't like country music, so that one's eliminated. Okay, we should um, just get a big board here and just start eliminating series, <laughs> and then by process of elimination, we'll have one. We end up with like somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It's just like Kansas. <laughs> TBA on that. TBA. We'll keep you guys. We'll keep you guys in tune on uh, where Kyle ends up on his solo vacation. We're also going to the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I wanted to mention that too. That's elite. Does, will Michigan win the national championship this year? I'm not commenting on that. No comment. No comment. No. Okay, so let's uh, segue here, transition to bring on a couple fans, as I promised last week. So. I uh, asked you guys to submit a little inquiry on why you wanted to be on the show, what you wanted to discuss, and I appreciate everyone who did. Uh, I selected two fans, Sean and Katie, to both come on the show for sort of different reasons. So first, we're going to have Sean on, and Sean has written for MLW in the past. He wrote some articles for MLWWiffleball.com, Sean Huff. He is a sports journalist, and uh, he also is into stats, Jack. We got into stats more this year, you and I, we, a little we, bit. A little I bit, tried. but we, I tried. We, we've just we've just barely I've the scratched the, the surface. Yeah. yeah, scratched the surface a little bit. So Sean uh, sent me a message and said he wanted to do a deep dive into some of his favorite statistics and uh, of MLW and share those with us, whether they're in-depth and how detailed they are. I don't really know. I'm excited to see what Sean can bring to the table. I want to hear his Can't wait to find out. And hear the facts. So let's get Sean in the call right now. All right, we are joined by Sean Huff now. Sean, thank you so much for joining the show. Appreciate it. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely, Jack. Nice to meet you. Uh, Kyle and Tommy, good to see you again. Good to see see you, you, man. We have met Sean as well uh, from time to time at our events. So, Sean, uh, I'm going to kind of just give you the floor here. I don't know how many stats you prepared, but I told Jack what the deal was. You have some advanced statistics for us, and we are excited to hear uh, about a little bit more. I do. So, I have four ready for you guys. Uh, So, a little background here. I'm a huge baseball fan and I'm a huge baseball stats fan. Okay. So it's always bothered me how little stats there are for MLW. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Uh, like there's at Marshall. There's legal <laughs> but that's about it. For a few years now, I've been uh, logging play by play data for every game that's shown on camera, at least. That's crazy. Uh, just to basically for my own enjoyment to get some stats together. Mm hmm. So there's a lot here. Um, so so before you give us your stats, I want to hear, so what sort of data are you taking down compared to, say, because, you know, we're only recording at-bats, hits, you know, home runs, RBIs, that sort of thing. So what further things, what steps are you taking further that are allowing you to get some more advanced uh, metrics on the league? Uh, the main thing is I have the base out state of every plate appearance, which means how many outs there are and where runners are at the ah, start of every plate appearance. Okay. Uh, and I use that to figure out like the average run value of different outcomes. Like I know one of the cliches is a walk is as good as a single. Well, in MLW, that's actually a weird saying because a walk is usually a little more valuable than a single. Wow. Well, There's a stat. Interesting. <laughs> Do tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe this year a walk was worth, I think, nine tenths of a run compared to an out. And a single was about 
eighty-seven hundredths. So it's it's mm. very close. Don't but... let bottom hear this. We'll never swing again. <laughs> <laughs> so I use those to come up with some more advanced stats. Uh, the big one is wins above replacement, but I'm not going to go into that one as much today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just one second, thing Sean, I, I want to stop you real quick, just because. Some of our listeners, not Jack, but some of our listeners don't not know me. what war is. And mm-hmm. uh, Jack, those, for those listeners, it's wins above replacement. Okay. That's and, what it stands for. And for those listeners, that he, means... It basically just means how much more likely you are to help your team win the game. But Sean, you probably know it better than I do. Can you explain war in a few sentences? For our, our, yes. for our other listeners. Yes, not for Jack. Yes. Yes, of course, not for Jack. No. Uh, war is how many more wins... your team has with you on the field compared to if you just got an average person off the street. So in baseball terms, it's like if you called up an average AAA player. In MLW terms, it's like if you had the sixth or seventh guy on a roster. I thought you were going to name drop. It would have been hilarious (laughs) if you did. I wish you would have. It so funny. I should have done that. (laughs) No, you're perfect. You're respectful. I like it. So the first stat i have today is jack this one you're gonna love okay good drum roll i'm using a stat called ops plus it's how good you are as a hitter at bat per at bat using your on base and your slugging compared to the league average if your score is 100 you're exactly league average and every point above or below 100 is one percent better or worse than average grant miller this year had the best single season OPS plus in the history of MLW. His value was 292. He was essentially triple an average hitter this year. Jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness. Doesn't shock me. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he did lead in most out, major categories. Uh, the record before this year was Norp in 2021. Uh, Miller beat him by a lot. Miller was 292. Norp was 232. Okay. And that was in 2021 for Norp? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. Norp actually has the third place one, too, from 2020. So who was the next closest to Grant this season? What was the number? If you have it in front of you. I'm really asking you a lot of questions. uh, The next closest was Robles. Okay. 200. 200. Okay. Wow. So he was almost like a full hundredth point. Of a full... Like Robles he was two like average. average player better than the next person. <laughs> he was a full insert mid player name better than that's crazy <laughs> better than Jordan at the plate <laughs> according to these metrics. All right, that's a good first stat, yeah. Sean. I love it. Yeah, and Tommy, to give you a little bit of credit here, when I convert batting to like OPS plus to run value. Uh, your 2010 season is actually the highest. And boy, Tom, there we wow. go. That's a great job, Tom, from 15 years ago. Unreal. Wow. That was before the Although muzzy I, days. I will say Way part of that is having days. 250 plate appearances. Yeah. Oh. When you only have two guys in your team, it's not too hard to get up there and take some swings, you know? Yeah. That's big time. That's a big time stare right there, Sean. Well, make sure that one stays on the board. Don't get rid of that data. That's still, whatever Asterix. we call them, the modern era of MLW, make sure that year's included so I can stay <laughs> on the board. <laughs> no, I have, I have everything on my board. I have 2010 on. So did you go back and like watch the old videos too to do this? Um, I went back to 2018 uh, okay. to do play-by-play. Then anything before then, I just used what was on league lineup because not enough of the games were on camera. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. 
Fair. Well, I'm intrigued now. Let's hear, let's, I'm yeah. excited for number two. Number two is a Cratch set, which okay. I had to throw one in. He's the best player in MLW right now. He's about to win a second straight MVP. And this one, I I wasn't intending to talk about. Then I found it today, and I had to mention it. Cratch this year as a pitcher faced 218 total batters for regular and postseason combined. That was the most of any pitcher in the league. He was close, though. Dallas was pretty close. He struck out 124 of them. That's 57%. <laughs> that is wild. It's dirty. And that's plate appearances, right? Not at bats. That's plate appearances. When you step into the box against Cratch, you have a more than likely chance of striking out, is what I'm hearing. Sounds about right. It's how yeah. I feel. Not only are you more than likely to strike out, you are 14% more likely to strike out than you are to not. Look at this. Wow. Look at these numbers. Look at these numbies, Jack. Numbies, man. <laughs> numbies are numbies. awesome. The charts right now. This is the guy we need. <laughs> and I think my favorite part of this one, second place was Dallas, who he struck out 51%, Jeez. which is also great. Yeah. RJ also did 51%. Um, if Cratch pitched to 24 more batters and didn't strike any of them out, he would still be ahead of Dallas. Wow. Well, if that didn't, and he was doing it while he didn't already have the MVP locked up. That stat might just that stat might linger in my head when it comes to cast my vote. (laughs) That's right, might linger (laughs) in my head a little bit. But all right, cool. Well, Cratched, you got the nod as well. We got a Grant Miller state of approval, and now Mm -hmm. a Ryan Cratch state of approval as well. Yes. Now for a third one, this is a brand new stat for me. I just started doing this this year, and it's a fielding run value. I just take the average run value of each type of ball in play, like a ground ball to left field is worth this much, a fly ball to the pitcher is worth this much, mm-hmm. and use how many plays you successfully made and how many you didn't to figure out how many runs you're worth compared to an average fielder. Jimmy Norp this year was worth about plus nine runs as a fielder, oh my which gosh. is the same as Sean Flynn was worth as a hitter. And Trey Flood was worth as a pitcher. That's how valuable Norp's glove is. Wow. So just that sounds about right. So Norp being in you're saying Norp being in left field, um, in terms of uh, runs allowed. This is combined left field and pitcher. Okay. Fielding. But you're saying just Norp on the diamond is yeah. statistically just as valuable as having Trey Flood pitch. Yeah, having Norp in the field compared to like an average fielder is as good as having flood pitch compared to an average pitcher. Jeez. That was And Sean Flynn. That's hitting. a bit of a that's a bit of a, a brain twister there, but yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And there there were other people really great in this too. Like Miller was great, worth yeah. six and a half runs. Dallas was worth six runs. Whalen was worth four. So but, this is probably probably a really dumb question, but uh I'm gonna ask it anyway. So you're saying it's worth nine runs. Is there like uh period that's worth like nine runs in a series or a game or a season or is that just like it's right. just apples across the across the season across the season okay yeah okay so basically norp being in the field saved the d-backs nine runs throughout the course of the year yeah so almost a run a game compared wow. to if just they just had a perfectly a average fielder that's actually crazy. Wow, that is I believe nuts. it though I mean it could be even more for all I know yeah like, that these is plays nuts. that norp and guys grant makes sometimes are crazy. We talk about how crucial it is in the short game, you know? 
So what did you say yeah. Grant's was, Sean? Six? Grant was six and a half. Six and a half. What and was then mine? Dallas was six. <laughs> Yours, Jack? Yeah, negative five. <laughs> I don't think you played the field this year. Oh, Sean, but I did. No, I was only only one series. I was in there for like maybe an inning. <laughs> yeah, I have you listed as no fielding chances. That's good. Keep it like that. Yep, keep it like keep it that way. I feel like it's best for everyone. I feel like to be honest, I could be a, a negative or like a very average guy. I was not that good out there. Can you be negative in this uh, do you category? Want to know? Yes. I mean, yeah, I, yes, we do. I won't be offended. I know I played average out there at best. Uh, minus one point seven. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm worse you than your average right it. fielder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about me, Sean? I'm curious. Plus two point five. I think you were plus a half. Okay. Oh. Ooh. I, okay. I would have thought a little higher. I would have thought a little higher. Oh Let's no. Some good uh, I'm, I was reading the win conversion. Sorry, you were plus one point seven. Okay, well, that pretty, sounds about right. I'll take you that good. Close. I'll take it off. Interesting. All right. I want everyone to guess right now on this statistic. Mm, who's the guy we haven't talked about yet? Brennan Russell. What's his Ooh. number? Jack, you first. You know, you, you want to get. I, yeah, I feel like Brennan didn't have his best fielding year as he's had in the past. So normally I feel like he would be a little higher, but I'd probably say he was somewhere around what Kyle was at. Maybe like one and a half, maybe one, maybe a little bit less. I'm going to say Russell was minus 0.8. I'll say between you guys, I'll say like 0.7. Kyle was the closest. Okay. He was 0.4. There we ah. go. Mm. Dang. All right, cool. I like that game. You, I, do. I will say, though, his uh, he had a lot of chances. Um, he was like tied for third in chances, I believe. His efficiency rating was really bad. Mm-hmm. Ah, not an efficient guy. We got to do some work in the Mallards camp. Minus 1.7 ain't going to cut it in right no, field. sir. We need positive players out there. I'm telling you, Tom, just take yourself out. Take I, don't, I, I honestly <laughs> think I was probably still our best option in right field. I tried to, I think, at some point. When Robles was pitching, I was out there. I think Caden and Preston might be the be- a better play. Mm. I need to get those numbers. Uh, Carlington was your best fielder this year. Okay, oh, that's a very small These sample. statistics are now all garbage, <laughs> and I don't believe a second of it. People want but Matt. That's a sample size of one play. He's got yep. the he's got the brains though. He knows what to do. I need I need to look at the sample sizes. This is why you take stats in high school kids because mm-hmm. you can't look at a sample size of one. <laughs> yeah, your your best fielder with a decent sample size was Robles. Oh, interesting. Okay, he doesn't like to play the field. Funny enough, but no, but he's but good counts, at getting right? balls off the pitching. mound. He's, the yeah, counts, he's really yeah. good at, at off the mound. I will say that. But all right, great stats, Sean. Great category. I love that. Mm-hmm. What are we on? And Stat? I have one more. This okay, is, uh, one more. I I chose this one. When I found out Kyle was going to be on, ooh, this is a Nick Saylor stat. Mm. Oh no, okay. And this is a career leaderboard. Saylor, as of this year, he wasn't first before this year. Now he is. Of all MLW pitchers, like in league history, with at least thirty innings pitched, Saylor is the all-time leader in strikeouts per walk. And has allowed the fewest walks per inning. Sounds about That's right. Crazy. Um, yeah, I know what I'm getting with Nick Saylor. I'm getting strikes, but <laughs> it also over. might mean they're going to be shots off the bat. <laughs> but um, it's cool to hear the stats pair up with that. I, I will tell you, though, his career ERA is under two. That's yeah. not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's had a good. I'll play the Bills. Yeah, he gets the ball over. He saved our butts a couple times, especially in Vermont this year. He limited the damage. Who, if you have it in front of you, Sean, who are a couple of other pitchers in that category who do really well on the walks per inning side of things? 
the best ones in the draft era are Sailor, Walgate, Bonham, Cratched, Norp, and Robles. And then there's a pretty big gap after them. Two okay. of the top three on the Magic. Let's go. Not bad. Bonham, get it over. He was a Mallard at one point, you know. That's true. That's you drafted. Him. I drafted him. Yeah, you I did. drafted him. I'm cool. I'm having way too much fun. I want to know. Yeah, can we just I want to know back? bonus stat. What's like the worst stat you have on me? Like the most insulting. <laughs> just like I hope no one wants to hear it. Got to be a pitching stat. Let me look. <laughs> oh no, the duck hook. The duck hook. God, I'm excited for this. <laughs> He's like, let me see here. I got a list like, of them. I got a whole let, separate sheet for this. Let me go. <laughs> <laughs> let me open up my other drive. <laughs> let me plug in my external hard drive for a second here. <laughs> it's not actually that bad. There's so negative two war as a pitcher one year. That's it. But that's that's not bad. But that's not awful. There are a lot of guys who had really extremely negative war seasons as pitchers. Just because uh, Tommy no one on their team could pitch. I do have a final question for you before we let you go. Sure. Um, with your knowledge and with the computer in front of you and uh, your history of watching the games, analyzing the games, studying the games from a number standpoint, who is the most undervalued player in this league right now? Mm, right now? Question. For a long time, it's been Whalen, although he's been getting credit more lately. Makes sense to me. That's actually a great answer. Yeah, you could leave it at that if you wanted, because I believe it. I've played against him. We can't get him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love facing. Yeah, Whalen had at some point. Um, he broke this during the World Series, but before the World Series, it was like four years in a row where he walked more than he struck out. I struck out way too much this year. I did too. <laughs> you got to have a worse stat than that on me. The minus two war. I don't know. Your batting stats are pretty solid. Okay. Okay. And you haven't pitched that much. That's true. Jack, you just Yeah, I guess I'm not just, really I don't really just, have that you many. You just stats. fail the eye test is the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's I think that's really what it is. You can't put that in well, numbers. There is, there is numbers. one, but it's a small sample. Your twenty twenty two OPS plus was three. <laughs> <laughs> so three percent. So Grant was three hundred and you were three. <laughs> 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 Wait, but that's a small sample size, though. You didn't come to a lot of series. Yes, that's a sample of like a series and a half, and one of those series was against Baranowski when he was God. Right. Let the record show, yeah. folks. Small sample size. Small sample size. You got three. <laughs> three. He was Grant. What well, well, had three thousand? Grant was a Grant was hundred <laughs> times better. Than- <laughs> oh my god! Is that what that means? I don't know if that's correctly stated, but I don't know. It's got it. three. Yeah. Not- not I quite. Think so. Grant was not, uh, quite. not quite. It was close though. Well, Sean, that was awesome. I think we got to run this back. Yeah, I think you're well. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say you're welcome on any time because these <laughs> stats were incredible. This was awesome. We might need to get hey, a little weekly. I'd be happy to come on, Sean. Stat every stat. week because in depth about this. When I go through my computer, it's, I'm not as good as you. I don't have this. I don't have. I can't crunch the numbers that fast. But that was awesome, Sean. I do appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Not a problem, dude. Appreciate it. Appreciate and, uh, it, man. Maybe yep. we'll talk soon. Thank Fans, you, Sean. If you want more Sean, let us know. Yeah. We're not opposed. We're not opposed at all. Good to meet you, man. Yeah, you too. All right. Love talking some numbies, Jack. I love numby talk. You can't beat it. At that level? I know. I think Sean is was being nice, though. I think he does probably have some really bad stats out I'm there still, for me. I'm still uh, looming over that negative 1.7. I'm, I'm, I'm repping out in right field. It's embarrassing, man. 
It's embarrassing. You oh, gotta crunch those man. numbers again. Recrunch them. Something's not right there. <laughs> but appreciate Sean for coming on. That was awesome. Take stats in, in school, kids. You should take stats take in stats. school. And do it's it. Cool class. I did it twice. Once in high school, once in college. Just you double down. Double down. Double on down on the stats. Yeah. All right. Good segment. Kyle approves. That's awesome. I like it. Good stuff, like Sean. It. All right. We appreciate it. All right. Now we have our second and final fan of the night now, uh, Katie. Thank you for joining us. Can you hear us okay? Howdy, guys. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Sound great. Yes, yep. we can. There's just been some great connections tonight. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Landon and Dan, we got some players who need to step up their game. We do. We do. <laughs> some players within our own league that, that don't know how to come on the podcast. That's right. That's record right. properly. That's okay, though. Well. Thank you for joining, Katie. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and here. you said in your message that you have been to the Meadows before? Yeah, I've been to the Meadows twice, actually. Um, I'm in Ann Arbor. Go Blue. Nice. Um, and so I have trekked out there twice. When you guys post the um, the Instagram stories saying that you're going to be playing at like 1 p.m. on Sunday, twice I've trekked out there to go watch and just sit in the field. It's been a blast. And who did you watch play? Which series? So the very first time I was a super new fan, this was like the summer of 2021. In contrast to Sean, I'm like the opposite. I'm not a knowledgeable fan. Um, <laughs> I don't know a ton about baseball, but I love wiffle ball. Love um, and so I was a brand new fan in the summer of 2021 and I saw the Preds play the Mallards, I think. Um, I think that's right. Um, I believe the Predators were wearing yellow. They had some alternate jerseys that I think, day. I think I might have hit them. It was definitely the Preds. It's yeah. whether or not it was the Mallards that I'm not totally remembering. Okay. Um, I think I might have hit a, a couple homers early in that series, and then I, then we blew it. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was like... They also played... So the first half of that season, they played the Magic, and then you guys, and I think they finished it off. I'm trying to figure out. But th- that was definitely slate two. It was. And that was when we were like the Pistons, Jack. We were like two and one, then three and one, and we lost like 10 games in a row. <laughs> That was, that was, that's what you witnessed. You witnessed our peak. Well, I was rooting for the Mallards for what Good. it's worth. So um, I was cheering for the right side there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just this last summer, I came out and saw the Cobras play because um, I met Drew Davis in Ann Arbor. And so I was looking out for any opportunity I could to come see. So came and watched that game. Mm-hmm. Right on. Nice. So yeah, what, what do you think? What do you think watching it in person? Oh, my gosh. It's so cool. I mean, if there was ever an opportunity for people to come out to the meadows and just like make that short little trek if you're in the like southeast michigan area i think it's a neat place the meadows it is impossible to find (laughs) uh i got lost on those streets i turned onto a dirt road and was sure that i was wrong um the first time that i did it and the second time i knew better um it is a weird place that you found but it's beautiful back there Mm -hmm. um super cool to see in person too there's a lot of uh a lot of good spirit mm-hmm. among the guys. So. Yeah, when the when the mosquitoes aren't biting, it's not. So I was bad. gonna say, were you well equipped with bug spray when you came, or did or you know? Did we I'm not from Houston, so Michigan's nothing to me on terms of that. I'm basically immune. Fair, okay, good. Yeah. That's good at the meadows. Being immune yeah. to bugs is is that's that's key for success. Yeah, it's, it's worthwhile. Like you're smacking bugs, but there's enough going on that you don't care. Yeah. Good. For sure. Some of our guys might disagree. Some of those guys might be me. But <laughs> <laughs> regardless. Um, appreciate you coming out to watch. I will say before, I know you have some questions you wanted to ask, but uh, you said you're not into baseball. So how in the world did you end up down this rabbit hole of MLW? That's, yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, it's kind of a funny story. So yeah, I'm not really into baseball. I played a ton of sports growing up, but never like dabbled in softball or anything. 
Um, but my boyfriend is kind of a chronic YouTube surfer. He's the kind of guy that just like watches whatever the algorithm feeds him. Good man. Um, and he'll send me stuff. And I think often he's under the assumption that I'm not going to watch it because I'm not. Uh, but for whatever reason, he sent me this Honesty. video of these guys playing wiffle ball. Um, and I did watch it. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I saw the production value and I was like hook, line and sinker. You got me. Um, and I've been a fan ever since. I quickly became much more of a fan than he. I mean, he's a fan, but I became much more of a fan than he is. I've got like the inaugural trading cards and stuff. Let's um, go. Let's go. Deck. Yeah, I quickly decided that I'm like a, a Mallard's Magic. And this was before I knew the podcast was a thing. I'm a Mallard's Magic fan. <laughs> Come um, on. I decided that the Gators are the villains for some reason. <laughs> so I developed like a lot of opinions really quickly. Um, and now I'm just, I'm a fan. So cool. Love that. Well, you got us now. <laughs> what, what do you want to ask? What questions are you bringing to the table? Cool. Yeah. So um, I, I think I mentioned this in my message to you, but like, I'm kind of interested. I think one thing that's really neat about MLW and what you guys are doing is like the content creation aspect of it, because it's a really neat space that's still relatively new. And I think content creation is a cool business because you get a lot of creative control as opposed to like, you know, I don't know, being tied to what network executives want or whatever. So I kind of came on to talk about, you know, where MLW is going, what you see as your future and that kind of stuff. So to that effect, I'm going to start with my most sort of basic question up top. It's probably the most boring one, but <laughs> I think it sets the tone. So just where do you all see MLW in like five to 10 years? And I'll break that into like two more tangible questions. So first, like what's your top tier goal? Like if you could, you know, ask a genie for a wish and get whatever you wanted in the next five to 10 years for MLW, what's that top tier goal? Mallard's and then the second um, is like, what's your most realistic goal? Like, what do you think MLW is going to look like in five to 10 years? Yeah, great question, Katie. Um, I think we've started doing this in the past couple of years, but um, I think breaking more into the live event space and performing series in front of live crowds in these professional venues like MLB and NFL stadiums is really the trend we're trying to continue going on. Um, but you talk about an ultimate goal and I've been on record saying this, but I think it'd be super cool one day to have an MLW stadium uh, there really has not been a wiffle ball stadium up to this point. I think it'd be super cool to be the home in the league, um, to have tournaments there, clinics, um, adult leagues, youth leagues, and be the, um, the the center of some sort of city in Southeast Michigan, I think would be super cool um, and a, a huge milestone for the league. Um, but I don't know if that's a, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, or even more. Um, yeah. But, but more, more, more uh, within the near, near future, I think just continuing to do these out-of-state series in front of live crowds all across the country meeting our subscribers, incorporating them to the videos and all around making some great content. I think that's kind of uh, the way we're kind of trending right now. But our visions, our visions are obviously very high. We have big hopes, but um, I, I love what we've done to this point. Yeah, I mean, growing it from completely the ground up, you guys are such a, a beacon of everybody who's ever wanted to be a creator, I would say. So that's really cool and a fantastic goal. Because I was kind of wondering, you know, I see a lot of different futures for MLW if you were like, I don't know, if you brought me into like, talk strategy of yeah. what your business should be. I could see you going like the network TV route, you know, focus on expanding geographically, doing more travel and stuff. So you have so many options, but it's cool to see that you, you know, want to pay deference to like the Southeast Michigan with like a local place um, still. Right. And I love with just YouTube, how much control we have, you know, with no overhead, with a network, it's super cool for us to do our own thing and um, edit the videos our way. Um, put teams out there that we love and our, our, our friends growing up and incorporating new people into the channel, I, I think is one of the most underrated parts about what we do. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And that actually segues really well into my next question, which is, so the guys in the league are like increasingly coming from a really wide array of backgrounds. Like you have young guys like RJ on the same team as your Grant Millers who have like a family. Um, and so you've got people who have careers now and you still have kids who are in high school playing and stuff. So um, do you think MLW is going to stay a mix of players like this? Or do you think that ultimately your goal is to like lean more towards one type of player or another? Do you have thoughts on like what the player makeup of MLW is going to be going forward? That's a really good question. Uh, Jack, what's your perspective just right now off that question? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think there's there's going to have to be a, a transition towards, you know, some more youthful players. Obviously, we still have the core of Brighton guys that kind of founded the league. You know, we've got guys who like Kyle or Dan and Tommy who who started the league and are still in it. Um, but obviously, like the, there's different phases, different chapters of life for everyone. And eventually it's just you know, a natural thing where people will have to retire from the league. We've had to say goodbye to folks such as Noah Dabrico or, Noah. Um, you know, Michael Shima as of late. Um, so there's always going to be the natural kind of attrition of people who just aren't able to uh, commit to it anymore because it is a, it is a commitment. Um, that being said, I don't, I don't know what Kyle's uh, perspective would be on this, but I think the, um, you know, the amount of new players that we've added into the league uh, in the past few years through the draft, I think there might have to be a slowing down of that just because I don't know if we're necessarily, and I won't speak for Kyle, and but I, I don't know if we're necessarily going to look at continuing to expand the amount of teams in the league, at least for right now. And so with only so many roster spots, if there's not a ton of uh, attrition right away with the people retiring from the league, then uh, it's going to become a point where it's hard to continue to add. But Kyle, I don't know if you had anything else. Yeah. So I just love having a, a diverse group of guys in the league, whether that's age, background, whatever, because I think it's super cool for different type of fans to relate to different types of players. So you could have a 14 year old that turns on the channel and instantly they can relate to RJ and his age and what he's where he's at in life, but then you could also have a, a new parent like Grant Miller is, and instantly you can form that connection with Grant. So um, whatever it is in the future, I think um, having different types of players and guys that come from different types of places, even a guy like Robles on the East Coast, like instantly if you're new, in New York and you find out he's from there and he's the one guy playing in a Michigan wiffle ball league, like you're instantly going to become a Robles fan. So I think uh, I, I, I love the youthful energy that our league has. So always having kids that are, really into wiffle ball and uh, want to be a part of it, you know, at ages 14, 15, 16, but then also having journeymen that have been playing competitive wiffle ball for 10 plus years, I think is a super cool contrast. And I, th I think creates a, um, a, a great dynamic in the league. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just um, that point kind of made me think about, you know, there's, there's some leagues that are, are really all, you know, grown men, maybe like yeah. in their thirties or forties that still seriously play wiffle ball and it's a great product, but um, I've always appreciated that about our league where we, we never said no to, you know, obviously now where it's like, if you're good enough to play in the league and you're 14 or 15 years old, then like, come on in and we have a spot for you. Um, and I, I always really like that about our league. So agreed with the, the diversity and the age groups. I think it makes our league unique. Right. And, and furthermore, just the personality aspect. I think it's super cool. We have, we have a guy like Rudy Ramirez, but then also AJ Ackerman that have different personalities. And somebody could also relate to that aspect of them, whether it's not age based, but it's how much they put them out there 
put themselves out there how much do they want to be funny and that kind of thing so it's super cool just the personality personality aspect of it as well yeah very true yeah that's really cool um and so you know another aspect of the diversity that's growing in the league is like the diversity of talent you guys are now drafting some really insane wiffle ball players so uh you're all managers has that changed how you like managed the league on like a boots on the ground level um are you are you managing it different than you were when you were like 12. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. I mean, a little bit. Um, I've talked about it before a bit, how, like, my team prior was mostly just comprised, comprised of my friends. Like, when I first started the Mallards, uh, I had my good buddies Noah and Steve on the team, and then I had uh, Dalton Porth come through, Austin Ford come through. Just my buddies that I knew would, uh, you know, be fun to play with, uh, have athletic ability, and would be a good fit personality-wise on the channel. And as time has changed and people have gotten really into wiffle ball specifically on a more competitive level, uh, it's definitely made it a little bit harder to employ the friends versus someone who's talented. <laughs> I think there still is a balance, though. It is still about having fun. Um, yeah. A guy like Matt Carlington, who I drafted eighth last year, is not only a pretty solid player, too, but also um, is uh, just a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. Right. So I think there is still a balance to that of being both, um, you know, having that friend energy, but also a little bit more competitive, too, has been a tough balance. But it's definitely changed it to making it where it's a little bit tougher to make decisions and you might upset certain people if you really want to win these games because some of these guys are so talented at the game. Yeah, for Even sure. Even me, I've had to get so much better just to keep up with like the talent that's coming in. I'm like, God, I got to go practice now. I'm going to be not good enough myself. So I would certainly say that it's changed. You know, when I joined the league, it was really because of a friend. It was because of uh, Alec Warda who invited me to come. His team was made up of him uh, Brennan Russell, who was another good friend. Um, and it's, it's really transitioned now into, yeah, like, uh, it, it can't always just be friends because we're trying to put a competitive product out there. Now I will say, you know, I mentioned on the last podcast, just how grateful and was, uh, how grateful I am for just like being able to meet some of these new people that I otherwise wouldn't have, wouldn't have become friends with. And now I consider myself, you know, friends with all the guys on my team. Um, and so that's another, like, I guess, sort of a silver lining there where, you know, you, you get to go out of your comfort zone a little bit and meet some new people, um, in this new, you know, process of trying to build a, build an organization, a competitive organization. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun to kind of go through that transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, fun just, challenge. I guess just building off that, I think it's, it's super cool just to see how important team chemistry is to a wiffle ball team. I mean, those, those diamondback teams in the past couple of years have been so good with their team chemistry. Um, but then you look at a team that has been comprised this year with three new guys in your clubhouse and to see that contrast with the the Livonia guys and the Diamondbacks and how they all grew up together, but you guys didn't. It shows that if you guys, if you have the right guys in the building, like it can work, but you have to have everybody buy in and that can happen in uh, multiple different ways. But it's super cool just how team dynamics work in wiffle ball. Yeah. To, to answer your question in a more concise way, I think I've actually been required to be a manager now, whereas in 2017, 18, yeah. 19, I was kind of just a player, right? Agreed. Whereas now we sort of actually have to manage the squad a little bit if you want to win. Yeah, I haven't for done sure. in a while, so maybe that's my fault. Yeah, there's definitely been moments to Tommy's point where, um, you know, in the past it's, it was like you you weren't necessarily like making anyone 
feel bad because it was just we were out there having well there wasn't a lot of we're, we're, we're still having fun like i'm not saying we're not having fun but to, there wasn't a lot of decisions to make there weren't exactly there yeah. weren't very many decisions to make and they the ones that had to be made were not nearly as hard yeah. and didn't have nearly as big of implications to them mm -hmm. so there is that element to it for sure yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's you can see that in the videos just in the I, I've watched back some of the old stuff, too. But just over time, it, it's definitely it feels like a feels like a more professional and like polished league as it's gone on, which is fun to watch. Um, so from the fan perspective, has your fan base changed over time? This might be something that like Kyle and Tommy having been here the whole time, you know, a little bit better, like your fan base has obviously gotten a lot bigger. Um, has it changed? Have you had to change anything to adapt to like the hundreds of thousands of subscribers that you now have and all of the different fans that you meet? Um, has there any been anything notable on that front? Uh, it's I definitely think that our like some of our fans have grown up a little bit with us, right? I used to always say our fans are so young, they're so young, they're so young, and a lot of the new fans are younger. But also the guys who um, tuned into us in say 2018 or found us during COVID. You know, those years have gone by for us, but they've also gone by for them. So those that found us in maybe late middle school, early high school, are now into their college years or into their young adult lives. So um, I'd say it's a more wide age range than it used to be. In terms of how I've had to change anything that I've done personally, on a personal level, I haven't really changed much. I feel like I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty much myself when it comes to this sort of stuff. But uh, in terms of making content, yeah, I do try to stay up to date with like what the younger demographic is into and the trends and stuff like that, which isn't always the most fun thing to do when it's like not what you're into maybe, but it's, I guess part of the job. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not really into surfing TikTok to be honest, but sometimes I'm forcing myself to like open it up at night and swipe through for a bit. One thing I guess from a, an outsider perspective, as it relates to this question that I would add is just that, you know, although the fans have grown up with us and maybe, you know, closer to, I guess, adult age than, you know, someone who is still, um, you know, new to the league and might be, you know, I don't know, 10 to 16 years old or something like mm -hmm. that. I think one thing that MLW hasn't changed is just the, um, you know, wholesomeness and good, clean family oriented way that it's presented. Like it's, it's never really changed that it's always been about that. And I think it will continue to be about that, obviously. Um, so even as like some of our fans have gotten older, I still feel like the videos give off a very, 100%. um, you know, family, you know, family friendly vibe. Yep. That's never, why, never going to stray away from that. That's why yeah. I feel, still feel 12 at heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad thing to feel at heart, especially as you get older. Um, yeah. So you guys have done a really insane amount of super cool things over the past, just like couple of years, right? Like you've had sponsorships, you put out merchandise like trading cards, you did the Mark Rober collab, you're playing at pro stadiums. Um, what do you think has been the best experience from kind of a cost benefit uh, benefit perspective? Whoa, like what's your best experience uh, in terms of this was something that you wanted to achieve and you achieved it and you feel like it's something that you want to keep doing again and again? I will go in depth. I'll say the events in which we work with teams and that it is um, revenue distributive. So based on the amount of tickets we sell, we're also getting some kickback on that um, because then not only are we having an event with fans at a really cool venue and making a, a really cool video, 
Um, but there's not like an upfront cost to maybe renting out a pro stadium like with the Phillies and that kind of video. So um, that was a really cool video that we created, but it was also um, financially successful for us as well as that Philadelphia Phillies video. I'd say there's definitely a good like niche for us in maybe the smaller market teams like the the Gateway Grizzlies, for example, just because yep. um, they're so excited to have someone like us come to their smaller market team to bring in a new audience. So us selling 500 tickets there instead of selling that in a 70,000 seat stadium, that's a 2,000 seat stadium. So it's a 25% fill versus like a 1% a fill. Deal, yeah. So that's I think that's cool and it works out well for for both of us. Oh, also, Katie, our hometown tournament, I, I feel like that should be the number one answer. There's no travel costs involved and we have 94 teams sign up, which is a record this year. So I think by far that that should probably be the, be the uh, correct answer is our hometown Wiffle in the Mitten Wiffle Ball Tournament. That's really cool. That's a cool um, behind the scenes glimpse at that. But I think that those are all great answers um, because they're all cool things that your fans are excited about, too. So mm -hmm. um, that's right, awesome. Katie, one more question. I got to cut yeah, you off. <laughs> I was going to say one more question. Um, so my last question is, uh, like, if you had a magic wand, a magic wand, um, and you could wave right it there. right now and change something. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All right, so you can wave the magic wand um, and change something going forward into the next year for MLW. Like you could set something in motion or, um, you know, give yourself a resource that you don't currently have, something like that. If you could wave the magic wand, what would it be? That's a really good question. Probably my swing. Probably my swing. <laughs> no, what do you guys got? Um, That's the right answer, probably. I, I need a genie. I think I need... Hey, I watch think, it. I think I need three wishes. I think I need three wishes, not one. To be honest, I don't, I don't know if one mag magic wand is enough right now to accomplish everything we want to accomplish, but uh, I think one thing we could do definitely a better job on this offseason, and we're, we've already started to get the ball rolling a little bit, is just getting prepared ahead of time mm -hmm. um, on things like these uh, larger events besides just Series at the Meadows. So um, we're working on that right now and trying to ease our workload and stress levels a little bit too, because it, do it does suck when you're so, so busy with your day-to-day -day and then you're also um, like that additional bog down of being stressed about something that's not done yet or where it should be yet. It just makes the day-to-day -day harder and maybe the content not as good and it makes you not as good as a leader to all the players and stuff like that. Like it's not fair to everybody else. So if I could change one thing about next year, I think it'd be that, that like by, you know, April 1st, we already have like our entire summer laid out with no question marks. Yeah. There's a lot of events I could wish I could stamp my fingers right now and we have it, but I don't want to give anything away for the season. So I want to make this question and this answer very gameplay based. And I want to have the Wildcats be good enough to get back to the World Series this year. So that's what I'm going to say for that. Wow. That's good. You don't have enough championships. Kyle. Enough. I don't know. Nope. I need a real one. <laughs> Not when I'm 12 years old playing against third graders in my front yard. <laughs> Fair. Awesome. That's well, what I've got. Cool. Well, that was awesome. Those were great questions. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Katie. Very yeah. thoughtful. Well, thanks for having me. Um, and it's been great. Thanks for what you do with MLW. I think you guys are awesome role models making really cool content. So thank, well, thank you. you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it again. And uh, maybe yeah, we'll be in touch. What a pod. What a pod. That was awesome. It was a great pod. It's now 3 a.m. Tommy, I feel bad for you right now. You're still awake. But <laughs> <laughs> powering through thanks to the Celsius that mm -hmm. I'm probably all the way through by now. Um, Jack, I, that, was, that was a good time. That was a really fans, good time. We got a lot of different action in there. We got some we did. commish thoughts, got some numby action, Love got an interview for all of us, really, ourselves, yeah. which was, that was cool. Some closing thoughts. Once again, just shout out to all the players for buying in the season. 
giving it their all. Shout out to everybody on the um, production side of things from f- photographers, videographers, my dad, Brendan Schultz. Got to give all these guys credit for a great season. And um, yeah, can't wait to keep improving, keep doing bigger and better events. And I'm uh, happy to have the our great fan base along the way for it all. Yeah, well said. Well said, Kamish. Well said. Well said. Well, if you made it this far, we appreciate it. Long pod, but we've seen some positive feedback on the long pods. So hope you guys all enjoyed it. Next Tuesday should be hotel bedroom podcast round two <laughs> from pod. from Texas. So that should be a fun one. Make sure you guys people love tune the group in. pods. People love a group pod. People love. To is see it us because tired. it's a group pod, or is it just because I wasn't on it? It's a group pod, Jack. I mean, I think we if should you were back there, it would be better. The sample size, the sample size is too small at this point true, to tell. True, Sean would let us know that the yeah, sample size, the is sample too small. size is too small. Yeah, simple we'll statistics, simple statistics. Yeah, but thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, the wiffle ball bat is yellow because back in the day, baseball bats and comic books were all yellow. We will see you all next week.